Good morning. If you came this morning to go to the Garden of Eden and do a tour, I apologize. It's closed. God closed the Garden of Eden, and he put us out. It wasn't my fault, you know. God didn't create me first. He created Adam. And he told Adam what we could eat and not eat. He didn't tell me. But Adam, he said it was my fault. This is what happened. God created Adam. And he said to Adam, of all the trees in the garden and the fruit on those trees, you can eat. But don't eat of the tree of good and evil. Because if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And then God created me. So you see, it wasn't my fault. And one day, I was in the garden, and I was admiring the beautiful fruit on the trees. And that shrewd serpent that God created came and started enticing me. And he asked me, did God really say, don't eat of the fruit of the trees? And I said, of course not. God said not to eat of the fruit of the tree in the center of the garden, but we can eat the other fruit. And then he looked at me and he said, do you think you'll really die if you eat that fruit? Well, that's what God said. Actually, he said, we're not to even touch it or eat it. And the serpent said, you won't eat. You won't die if you eat. What will happen is you'll be smart. You'll have the same wisdom as God. Well, you know what? That sounded pretty good to me. And I really wanted to know what that fruit tasted like. And so I took the fruit, and it was good, and I gave it to Adam, and he ate it too. And then all of a sudden, our eyes were opened, and we were naked. I can't believe it. We had nothing on. So Adam made fig leaves, took fig leaves, and he made clothes for us. And then, as it was his pattern, God was walking in the garden that night in the cool of the evening with a gentle breeze, and he was coming out to fellowship with us and talk with us. And we heard him, and we ran and we hid. And God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam responded, and he said, we're hiding, God. God said, why are you hiding? Because that was so weird. We didn't normally hide from God. And Adam said, we're hiding because we're naked and we're ashamed. And at that point, we came out into the open. And God said, who told you you were naked and ashamed? And he said, did you eat of the fruit? And Adam says, it was that woman you created that gave me the fruit. And God looked at Eve and he said to me, he looked at me and he said, what did you do? And I said, I didn't do anything. It was that shrewd serpent that you created. And he gave me the fruit. And Adam knew better. It wasn't my fault. And that's when it happened. He put us out of the garden. 
and he put angels with swirling fiery swords in front of the garden so that we could not go back. You know, we didn't die that day, but things have been different. You know, God did give us a blood sacrifice, but ever since then, my sons, they deal with jealousy. They argue over whose sacrifice is better, who God loves better than them. And eventually, my one son killed my other son. Oh, my sons, what has happened to us? God, why did you do this to us? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. And I ask, Lord, that you will stir in our hearts where you want to go, that you would take these words from these pages and bring your life through in Jesus' name, amen. Before I begin, I just want to say that the handouts may not follow anything I'm saying. I realized I was switching things up and I took the keys out of the PowerPoint, so the key isn't in there. You may be able to follow along, but if nothing else, the back of the handout has some things on it for later. So it continues from generation to generation what happened in the Garden of Eden. When sin comes in, it creates conflict. The first place that it creates conflict is with God. Conflict is as old as the Garden of Eden. If you didn't catch the dramatization of Eve and what caused the conflict, let's look at the New Testament. We're going to go to James 4, 1 to 3. <clears throat> what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Does the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want others what, what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to, satisfy, to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight, and all the time you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it because you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desire. Conflict is an issue of the heart. Selfishness, I want, I want, can I please? Jealousy, how come they can do that? That's not fair. Why do the, the wicked always prosper? Unforgiveness, they don't deserve to be forgiven. They've been given grace before. Why should I give more grace? They keep doing it. Fear of the unknown, of the pain, of the hurt, not being recognized, and anger, all of the above, ruling our hearts. Repressed fear, feelings, and injustice. 
when Susan was talking and sharing about the Holocaust and about the soldiers. What conflict. Whenever trauma comes in, there's conflict. Conflict with God. God, why did you allow this? And Susan, that wasn't part of my sermon, but you fit right into it. You know, and that's the first place I just want to mention that I feel like the Holy Spirit was really putting his finger on this morning is that we all at times have conflict with God when his word does not match our experience, especially as Christians. When we start to experience things that he never intended. Why, God? Why did you allow this? I hear this from unbelievers a lot of times. If God was such a loving God, he wouldn't allow war. He wouldn't allow murder. He wouldn't allow. He wouldn't allow. But back in the garden, God gave Adam and Eve free will. And they had a choice to choose. And we see the consequence of that choice. We're given free will and we have a choice to choose. And we see the consequence of those choices. Others and our own. Conflict always starts in the heart. But God wants us to grow through it. He doesn't allow anything to come into our lives that he won't redeem. He's a good, loving father. So he wants us to grow through it. He wants us to go the hard with him. Not alone, but with him. Whether it's yours, theirs, or both, conflict needs to be acknowledged. Or what happens is we isolate ourselves. If you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 15, 36 to 41. We're going to look at some conflict that happened in the New Testament. I was amazed at all the conflict that's in the Bible. It was hard to hear which scriptures just to zero in on. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's travel to the regions where we've preached the word of God and see how the believers are getting along. Barnabas wished to take John Mark along with them, but Paul disagreed. He didn't think it was proper to take the one who had deserted them in South Central Turkey leaving them to do missionary work without him. It became a heated argument between them and a disagreement so sharp that they parted from each other. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas as his partner. After the believers prayed for them, asking for the Lord's favor on their ministry, they left for Syria and southeast Turkey. Every place they went, they left the church stronger and more encouraged than before. The controversy over John Mark was no simple disagreement. In verse 37, it says, Paul wanted to take John Mark with him. Luke, who wrote the book, chose an imperfect tense in the Greek for the verb we translate wanted, indicating that Barnabas was persistent and determined in his request. Now, we can all relate to that, especially those that have kids, teenagers, Persistent and determined in the request. Then in verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement. 
So they separated from each other. We get our English word paroxysm from the Greek word here for sharp disagreement. This is a sudden violent outburst and gives some idea to the intensity of this disagreement. These were two men of God. Who was right, who was wrong? We're not their judge. We don't know their heart. You could look at one side, and I could look at that from Paul's side and, and think Paul was completely right. I could look at Barnabas' side and think, huh, yep, that's the way we should have responded and think Barnabas was completely right. But what I see happening is, is God allowed the conflict... He didn't cause the conflict, but he allowed the conflict to separate them, which allowed them to go into ministry in two different directions where the church prospered as they went. But what about the heart issue? We're going to take a look at that. It's a normal part of healthy relationship conflict. The key is not to fear or try to avoid conflict and to learn to resolve in a healthy way. Why Luke chose to write this in Acts, what it does is it gives us an opportunity to see two heroes of faith have a disagreement. Luke reveals their humanity so that we can understand that they still could move in ministry and also allow God to work through their heart. And we see that because they prospered. We see that because of what happens later. When conflict's mismanaged, it can harm a relationship. But when it's handled in a godly, respectful, positive way, conflict provides an opportunity to strengthen the bond between two people. When in conflict issues, I am reminded of the scripture, iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. And then verse 19, as a face is reflected in water, so is the heart reflect the real person. So it's Proverbs 27, verse 17 and verse 19. Then my question usually goes like this with God. Why are you sharpening me, God? And then it may go like this. This feels a little deep, Papa. Or this one's personal. Have I offended them? Reveal my heart, my sin. Let's take another look in Scripture of a conflict. This one may surprise you, but it was still a conflict. We're going to look at Luke 22, 42 to 44. Jesus in the garden. Father, if you're willing, remove the cup from me, yet not my will, but always your will be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him in spirit. And being in agony of mind, he prayed all the more earnestly and intently, and he sweat, his sweat became like great clots of blood dripping down upon the ground. That word agony, derived from the Greek word agon, represents, if you get through the different placements of it, properly a place of assembly, 
implication of a contest, but figuratively, an effort, an effort or anxiety, I don't know what that word is, that was a typo. Anxiety, conflict, contention, fight, and race. Jesus was in conflict. He was experiencing anxiety and contention between what his mind, his soul wanted, and the will of God. Been there? I have. It's a hard place to be, and I can tell you, as hard as it was, I never sweat blood. I never needed an angel to come and strengthen me. But Jesus did, and he counted the cost of the conflict, and he ended with God's will. He left the garden knowing that he needed to do the hard he had conflict in his mind and soul when he went into the garden. He poured out his heart to the Father in the garden. He released his will in the garden. And he opened his heart to go through what was needed in the garden. He left there knowing that he needed to do the hard, but had God's peace to do it. He knew that this was the only way for relationships to be restored. They catch that relationships. God has always wanted relationships with his children, with mankind, and with us, with each other. He did not leave the garden mad at the disciples because they slept or mad at mankind because he had to do this. He left the garden with perfect peace. This kind of relationship can only happen from spending time with the Father. This is how the soil of our heart is prepped for growth when conflict comes into a relationship. Over these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, Colossians 3.14. Perfect love cast out fear. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.12. If the soil of our heart is not prepared, we may witness in our lives and others a response something like this. Unhealthy response to conflict? An inability to recognize and respond. The person shuts down or seems generally clueless of their actions doing what's right in my own eyes and not knowing how to do anything different. I didn't have a model in my life. Wrong actions and defenses. We all have experienced this one, blaming others. Remember Adam and Eve? Withdrawal of love, that conditional love, that acting like everything's okay, but now your emotions have been shut down. Now I'm just not going to let them know how I really feel about them today because they deserve to squirm. There's an attitude and an emotional shift when we withdraw love from one another. Not able to see the other side. An unwillingness to acknowledge. Similar to above, but this one could be from past experiences and patterns. And again, conflict in the heart is sometimes it's learned 
The conflict comes by the things that you've experienced. And then when God's truth is put to that, there's a conflict because what I learned, what I thought was right, is not. And then, God, why did you not do something about it? So there can be a conflict in our experiences, and we can respond in the wrong way to those that God is using to sharpen the iron in our lives. Being fearful, expecting the worst. Here we go again. And then we have an explosive reaction. If you find yourself exploding in frustration with friends, with your spouse, with your children, I'm going to say this as gentle as possible. There's a root of anger there, and there's a conflict someplace in understanding what's going on in your life. Every time I say something, this happens. An example, this came from an abusive past with layers of healing needed. So a child that would grow up with an alcoholic parent would know that there's certain things you can say and you can't say because at any moment if you said the wrong thing, they would explode, okay? That can be a pattern learned. So we're never gonna rock the boat. It could be for anything. If you ask a question and it's the wrong time because mommy's tired or daddy's tired. And I don't want to step on toes. But these are conflicts in relationships and they're issues of the heart. And God wants to grow us past them. But we need to recognize they're there and what they are. How about some healthy response to conflict? The capacity to empathize. I am so sorry it feels that way. Let's pray and discern what happened. Non-defensive, respectful. I did not realize you felt that way or I was doing that. Readiness to forgive and move on. You are correct. Or let's pray and ask God to minister to our hearts so we know how to move forward. Compromise, aligned with God's purposes. Does it really matter what color the wall is, if it's top or beige? Does it matter what color the carpet? Does it matter who was right or wrong? Smoke or gray, what's the difference? Adjust hours at home as needed if the conflict has to do with hours? Fill in the blank. That can be a normal one. It's amazing how we can get in such conflict over things that are not kingly important. Believing the face, believing and facing conflict is safe and good. That's the healthy response. Conflict can be safe and good. If blows from a friend are good, then that means that conflict can be good. That's what God's word says. Iron sharpens iron. That means conflict can be good. Not the feeling, not the process in our emotions, but the outcome can be good. 
And that's the way God intends it. If we have to deal with conflict because we have to deal with sin, because we're all human, then let's, God's like, let's just make something good out of this. Okay, I'm paraphrasing God right now. But like, let's just do something good with this. We're not going to let them get stuck in their, their funk. <laughs> we can sometimes have conflict with God. I'm going to keep going back to this just because I feel like this is where God wants us to stay. And so I, I'm not apologizing. Okay, due to past hurts, we want to talk about it with everybody else but God. We want to talk about it with our friends. We want to talk about it with counselors, but we don't talk to God about it. And he's the one we have the conflict with. And you know what? He knows it. And he loves us, and he wants us to be healed, and he wants us to know that he's a safe place, that he knows how you feel. You know, I didn't think about this before, but in preparing this, I wonder what the conflict was that God felt as he watched his son make the choice to die on the cross for the people that he created. He knows every feeling that we feel. And he wants us to see him as a safe place, even if we don't understand why it happened. Children many times get caught up in conflicts and they had nothing to do with it. And they suffer needlessly. They had nothing to do with it. And as adults, how we represent God is so important in those times for the trauma of our kids or the trauma for each other because relationships are important. If you've been a child in conflict with God and you've grown up with those unanswered questions, with those wonderings, or God's over here, you know, and I'll just say this, Jesus was always safe for me, but God the Father was not safe. And so there was a lot of conflict I had to grow through to understand that God the Father was the safest place I could ever rest. because he sent Jesus because he wanted me to know him. But if you've not dealt with those things, it's going to be hard to deal with conflict in everyday relationships. It's going to be hard to separate what's safe and what's not safe, or what's real, what's God's truth, what's my emotions. And our emotions are true. Okay, they're real, they're true, what we feel, but they're not the truth. God's word is the truth, and that is the difference. That's where conflict comes in. When what we feel is real, what we feel is true, but it's contrary to God's word. That's when we have to do the hard. That's when we need to work through the emotions to get to that place. God, bring the real, your truth, into these places and break the patterns that go with them. Over the years, by mentoring young women um, 
that desire to be married because 25 was too old to be single, I would experience the reason that they wanted to be married was because somewhere along the line, they thought that would make them more of who they needed to be. And as those young girls, those young women, learned about the love that Jesus had for them and what he designed for them as young women, the desire to be married over having the desire to have a personal relationship with him and to be all that he was calling them to, to be, switched. And after it switched, I'm telling you, there's not one young woman that I remember mentoring that after it switched, within a year, she did not meet the man that eventually she married. But you know, what I love about that is God was not allowing any of those young women, and they all loved God, but they just had their their love channel messed up, you know? I, don't, I can't explain why, but it's because culture. There's a pressure, you know, many times in certain cultures that you need to be married. And, uh, but anyway, it just was always interesting to me that when that switched, then God did bring them the desire of the heart. And isn't that what Scripture tells us? You know, to, um, what is that Scripture now? <laughs> he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, Oh, my goodness, I can't think of it right now. But you know what scripture I'm talking about. <laughs> and if you don't, I'll look it up afterwards. Um, if our hearts are prepared in a healthy way, we can walk through just about anything. We can experience trauma without conflict. And if conflict does, does come, we can go to a safe place with God. And we can work through it. I love this scripture in Psalms, and it's in the NIV it reads, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfall. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. That's Psalm 42 7. But I really like the way the passion says it. My deep need calls out to the deep kindness of your love. And your waterfall of weeping sent waves of sorrow over my soul, carrying me away and cascading me over, cascading over me like a thundering cataract. I have that, not those words. I have the other words. I painted in my living room, deep calls the deep at the sound of the waterfall. Because there's something about that, and if you've ever been in a wave, or you've never been, ever been under a waterfall, the power of having to go under that waterfall can almost knock your feet out from under you. And there are times when we hit conflict in relationships that it feels like everything is knocked out from under us. Why? Well, we could go back to James. What is it that's stirring in us in that relationship. I always look at my own heart first. Didn't always, used to. Actually, I shouldn't say I always because there are still times when I don't, especially for my husband and I. Um, I just love him so much because he's just so patient with me. Anyway, but um, when I realize what's happening, it will be God, what is in my heart? When I said that earlier about God, why are you sharpening me? What do you want to reveal? 
even when someone else is the one doing the wrong, the way we respond is a reflection of our heart. It's a reflection of how much love we've absorbed from the Father, whether it was that day, that week, that year, that month. Once we know the Father's heart and we truly step into that place of trusting him regardless of what we experience in relationships <clears throat> and we want to grow. And that's the thing. We want to turn conflict into a, a way to grow in relationships. But once we know the Father's heart, we can then model what I call transparency in relationships. And here's some scriptures that can help with that. You can trust a friend who wounds you with honesty, but the enemy's pretended flattery comes from insecurity. That one's pretty clear, but I know I've been in places where I can tell the difference between a friend speaking something to me that is truth out of love and somebody that flatters me and it's a backhanded insult. Sweet friendship refreshes the soul and awakens our heart with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. So never give up a friend or abandon a friend of your father. For in the day of your brokenness, you will have to run to a relative. You won't have to run to a relative for help. A friend nearby is better than a relative far away. That's Proverbs 27, 9 to 10. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5, 16. Dear brother and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. James 1, 19. And I want to say something about anger. Anger is not a sin. All of our emotions that we feel are not sin. It's what we do with them that makes it a sin. So if you get angry, don't deny it. Just deal with it. You know, if you're frustrated, call it what it is. You know, I'm mad. Or, you know what, I'm jealous. I wasn't going to share this, but I'll share this since the Lord just brought it back to my mind again, second time today. Um, when early in, in my marriage, shortly after I got saved, there was a group of friends and I, and we were praying for our husbands. And we were praying all kinds of things. We were praying that they would be the spiritual leaders that God wanted them to be and that they would walk in all that he wanted them to walk with. And I watched my friends, husbands, become that. And I was praying one day, and the Lord said to me, are you ready to give up the jealousy? I was like, I don't have any jealousy. Jealousy about what? And he said, your intercession's not going to go any further until you deal with this. And what had happened is I started to question why God was answering our prayers, but not my prayer. And he did. Over the years, I've seen miraculous things that God has done in the life of my husband and in our marriage. But at that moment, it was a turning point. I needed to acknowledge it. And you know what? I didn't want to. 
There was a little part of me, even though God was kind of putting his finger on it, I was like, well, no, really, I'm not really jealous. I'm happy for them. But, you know, he could see that deep down in my heart. It was there. And he knew that if I didn't deal with it early on, it was going to be a hindrance in my walk with him later and my walk with my friends that I wouldn't be able to be transparent with them in the future. See, I could no longer be transparent when they were celebrating or like when people were having babies and I wasn't. I couldn't be real because I wasn't necessarily happy at the moment. I was selfish. I was thinking about myself and about what I didn't have. See, there are issues of the heart that affect our relationships if we're not transparent with God and then with one another. And to be able to say to my friends, like, I truly want to be happy for you, but I am not sure right now if I can express what you want me to express. And that was hard. And I had some friends that that was really hard to understand, especially sisters. All my sisters, I swore, were rabbits for a while. <laughs> I guess that's an old term, but I, mean, I have sisters that have eight kids, you know, and they were just having children after children, and then I loved it. And I had two sisters that were having babies. They even shared the same hospital room one time, you know. Um, my mother sent flowers to one. She checked out, forgot the flowers. The other one checked in the same room, and the flowers were still there, <laughs> you know. But it was hard. And you have to acknowledge that. Like, that was hard stuff. And I'm telling you, just even saying this, that's hard. I mean, that's going back 40-some years ago. Um, but it's hard stuff, but it's life and it's real. And we need to understand those places. Our insecurities are hard. And be willing to do the hard with God. And do the hard with each other. To be transparent. But you know, the transparency comes when we know God's safe. And then we've also chosen wisely in the friends that we are transparent with. So what else can we glean from the three stories today that can turn conflict into growth? Okay, so Adam and Eve, God and the serpent. Okay, and we can just go through this quickly. They not acknowledge the sin. You know, I wonder... And I never noticed this before. When I was reading the account in Genesis, God made the blood sacrifice and gave it to them, but it was never recorded that they responded in any way other than blaming each other. Like, I never heard, like, we're sorry, God, we disobeyed. Nothing. Now, they accepted the blood sacrifice, so there had to be something there that happened. But there's no record of that. And that kind of caught me for the first time, like, wow. Like, did they repent? I don't know. But then you kind of look at the generation that went forward. Like, Cain duplicated the same thing, you know, to God when God called him up on his brother. So, like, I don't know. But what we do know is that because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus... And because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, who is the great counselor, we have an opportunity to be able to respond immediately when those heart issues pop up. Another thing in the garden is they were no longer transparent. They hid. Sin causes us to hide. 
conflict causes us to hide from one another, from God. I wonder if it would have been different if they had immediately fessed up. We don't hear any more about the relationship after that, after they left the garden, other than they multiplied. That's the only thing we hear. So when we acknowledge our sin and our actions change quickly, we also have a a way of being able to offer grace to other people at the same time. You know, if I can acknowledge, then I can give grace. If I can't acknowledge, I can't give grace. And they were given a choice, and they needed to be honest with their consequences. We're given free will, and our choices can't be blamed on God or others. How about Paul and Barnabas? This one, I think, is just really cool. And I've seen this happen in three different relationships in my life. So the first thing that happened is they separated. Okay? It was ministry. They were doing ministry, and they had no time to quibble over what was going on. But it was getting heated, and they had enough wisdom to separate. And they separated. But somewhere along the line, their hearts were still before God. I mean, it's not like they just shut down. God was using them to do ministry. If God was ministering to them, you can be sure he was also touching their heart and dealing with it. And what we see happen is years later, something happened to Paul's heart because he called for John Mark to come, and he said he would be a help to him. So we know that God dealt with the relationship. He dealt with the heart of those two men. What I love is the fact that they were transparent. Or actually, they weren't. Luke was transparent with their sin. But I love the fact that that's in there. They continued to serve while they were in conflict. It did not stop them from doing what God had called them to do. And God didn't stop them. They went in their different directions. Now, I am going to say something right here. There's a difference between healthy conflict and evil demise. And there's times when an evil demise is beyond conflict. It's intentionally hurting somebody, intentionally doing evil or doing wrong for a selfish purpose or whatever. That's different. That's dealt with differently. So I just want to say that. Like, this is not what they were doing. And so God continued to use them in ministry. They grew. God honored their heart and their heart responses. Their hearts became God's during this time of ministry that helped them grow, which led to reconciliation. And then finally, Jesus. He modeled the perfect way. He poured out his heart. He asked for another way. He accepted God's will fully. He walked in it. He left the garden aligned with God's will body, soul, and spirit. His disciples never knew the struggle. Yet, you think about this, somebody did because it was recorded. So somebody heard and saw the drops of blood. But they didn't stay awake to pray. They couldn't be there with him. He left the garden with a posture that reflected the peace of Christ rolling in one's heart, which is what we're given today.
he had the peace of God rolling in his heart. We can get the peace of Christ rolling in our hearts. We've all been there, whether it's a spouse, a friend, family members. We've tried to express ourselves, and it doesn't go as planned. Um, I used to always say I walked around with my foot in my mouth more times than I didn't. I had to learn how to say things with a different tone or to smile when I said them because sometimes just innocently saying something did not sound right or go over very well. And that still can happen, but my foot's not my mouth as often. Um, maybe we won the argument, but the wind didn't feel so good. You ever done that? Like you win the argument and then you feel like yuck. You know, that's when God gets my heart and I go back downstairs and I apologize to my husband. You know, it's like, wow. Or possibly we prefer not to say anything. Now, this is my husband. He's the opposite of me. I'm the confronter and he's the avoider. And say nothing or he laughs it off to avoid it or ignore the situation. He bought a pair of shoes one time, brand new pair of shoes, spent good money for these shoes. The shoes fell apart the first day he put them on his feet. I said, you need to take them back to the shoemaker. You need to take them back to the store where you bought them. He said, no, I'll just never shop there again. That infuriated me, but he didn't want the conflict of going and dealing with that. You know, that's what he learned. You just brushed it over. That was the culture he grew up in. Not me. I grew up on the streets fighting. It was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I did learn how to honor what he wanted to do and not what I wanted to do, which then stopped some of the conflict. We can allow God to transfer conflict into opportunities for growth in ourselves and in our relationships by engaging in interactions that are mutually honoring and respectful, encouraging and allowing growth to occur. Because both parties feel heard, respected, and honored. You know, one of the biggest things with conflict is that we don't hear each other. One of the tools that I've learned over the years is you speak back what you're hearing. When I learned this tool, that was the first thing my husband and I learned to do. I would say something, I could tell by the tone of his voice that he was hearing it wronger than wrong, like not the way I was saying it. And I said, can you tell me what you just heard me say? And I was amazed at some of the things that he would hear me say, you know. And I thought, wow, that scheming serpent that God created <laughs> just twisted my words. But you know what? I want to say this to every husband and wife and to every parent with their children or to young adults with your relationships. Be aware of that. When you're talking with somebody and you realize whatever was just said was not taken the way it was intended, deal with it right away. Ask them, what did you just hear me say? Because you know what? That will stop a lot of conflict right there. Because we walk in unity, right? And the enemy does not want us to walk in unity. On your handout, if the worship team wants to come up, um, you can make your way up. On your handout on the back, you'll have a list of ways to learn and grow through conflict. These are just some of the ways that I've used in, I deal with families that deal with conflict and help them work through conflicts with all members of the families and then one-on-one, -on -one, but then also with my own life. Um, so they're just some of the ways. There are so many ways to deal with conflict and there's not a wrong way and a right way, only God's way. 
because he knows each situation and where the root is and which direction he's calling us to move in that will bring the healing that he wants. And sometimes it's layers. And so be willing to separate, be willing to step back for a season to deal with your hearts and then make a time to come back together again if it's in relationships. But never allow a conflict to bring disunity to the point where you can't be around that person anymore. You know, even if, and I'll close in this, you know, I've been in relationships where they were not safe, but I dealt with the conflicts of relationship and allowed God to bring healing to my heart. It didn't mean that that person became my best friend again or that that person was safe for me to pour out my heart to. But what it did mean is that I did not allow the enemy to bring a disunity into the body. We just moved in different circles. Or we chose to respect one another and honor one another, but not become close friends again. We need to know when God calls us to lay that down. Because there are times when friendships are a season. And then there's times when they're lifelong. And God will help us discern that. Simply said, healthy means own it, speak truth, and give grace. I'd invite you that the prayer team could come up also, that if there is any area in your life right now where you are dealing with conflict in your relationship with God or with one another, or maybe just in your own heart, like you're struggling with things, come up and get prayer. And if you don't feel like you can get prayer because everybody would know you're dealing with a conflict, just join the crowd. We all deal with conflict. Like, it's not a secret. You know, we live in a world full of conflict right now. So anyway, I'm just going to close in prayer. Father, I just thank you. God, there's so much about conflict. But God, there's so much more about you and about your love, your grace your forgiveness. Let us think of those things, God, when we think about you and we experience the unsurety of our experience and your truth. Lord, let us believe the best when we feel a blow from a friend and not believe the accusations of the enemy. Father, right now, I just pray that any spirit of offense that would be trying to fall on any of my brothers and sisters right now, that it would be bound and thrown as far as the east is from the west away from them so that they can step into your wholeness and what you have for them in relationships. I thank you, Lord, for your love and for your goodness. I pray your blessing and freedom to move through conflict for the purpose of growth in relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.